his favorite thing to do on exhibit is kind of just lay on his back and play with his feet. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Raw Safari. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast that covers bears, has some funky beats, but skips right past Battlestar Galactica, the Raw Safari podcast. This episode is coming out right as a lot of people start thinking about where they can give some money to various organizations and also start looking for some unique holiday gifts. Well, let me remind you that you can support the pod at patreon.com slash raw safari. Becoming a monthly member of the show for as little as $3 a month really goes a long way to helping me keep making episodes like the one you are about to hear, since there are a lot of travel costs and also hosting costs for the podcast. Also, if I do start to turn a profit on this podcast, I promise you that I'll come up with some cool thing where I donate a portion of the profits to an animal charity every month. We'll figure it out. And if you're looking for cool gift ideas, don't forget to check out rossafari.redbubble.com. You can get merch there with the show logo, but also some merch of some of my most popular Instagram pics, including an adorable red panda, a gorgeous tree kangaroo, and some really cute snow leopards. You can get shirts, mugs, masks, stickers, pins, all kinds of really cool stuff. Take a minute and check it out when you're searching for the perfect gift for the animal lover in your life. Or for yourself. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever app you're listening to this on. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Audible, please take the time to give a five-star rating and possibly even a review to the podcast. It helps people find Raw Safari and makes me happy. And of course, make sure you're following along at Raw Safari on Instagram and Facebook. So, before I get into today's spiel about the episode, I wanted to take a minute to do a mental health check. How are y'all doing? Feeling okay? This has been the weirdest year, and with the holiday season approaching, lockdown starting back up, and a lot of tension in the world of politics and beyond, I know that this can be a tough time for a lot of people. Not going to lie, the fact that my last live gig ended and I'm now back home alone is making this a more challenging time for me as well. But I'm also lucky that I have this project, the podcast and the Instagram, to keep me busy and engaged right now. It's honestly been the saving grace of quarantine for me, and I hope it brings you some solace as well. One reason I continue to produce two episodes a week is because I know it is helping me out, and I hope it is helping y'all out as well. That said, if anyone ever needs to talk, I'm here. I mean it. You can always message me on Instagram or reach out at rossafaripod at gmail.com. I'm happy to chat, happy to listen, and love sharing fun animal pics and stories with anyone who needs it. I'm certainly not a mental health professional, but I'm happy to be a friend to anyone who listens to my podcast. And if you do need a mental health professional don't be ashamed to look into one. After I went through a pretty terrifying near-death experience, I suffered from PTSD pretty badly. Going to a psychiatrist was hard, and frankly, I was embarrassed. 
but I did it and it helped me to heal. And if anyone who hears this is thinking the darkest of thoughts, just remember that the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. If you need to make that call, do it, please. The podcast will still be waiting when you get off the phone. Okay, that was a lot, but I really felt compelled to say it. Moving on to lighter topics. For today's episode, I'm taking you to the magical land of Oz, where the yellow brick road stretches for miles and... Wait a minute, that can't be right. Oh, I remember now. I'm taking you to Akron, Ohio. I just got confused because we really do talk about lions, tigers, and bears in this episode. Oh my indeed. Today, I'm bringing you my interview with Kristen Scaglione, a keeper who talks about her amazing bears, some incredibly endangered wolves, a band of really shy coyotes, and so much more. Yep, it's a band of coyotes, not a pack like with wolves. Kristen is also heavily involved in a group known as AZAC, which you will get to learn the meaning of in this episode. Also, after the main interview, you'll get to hear me feeding some grizzly bears. They ate exactly what you're probably picturing. Grapes. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, here is my interview with Kristen Scaglione of Akron Zoo. All right, so tell me, who are you, where do you work, and what do you do here? My name is Kristen Scaglione. I work here at the Akron Zoo. I am one of the carnivore keepers here. Uh, we have a carnivore small mammal team, actually. Um, so I am primarily on grizzlies and red wolves and coyotes, but I also work with the lions and tigers. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> you literally do. Lions and tigers and bears. Exactly. Impressive. <laughs> So, yeah, and then we have a couple of things around the zoo. Um, we have our North American River otters, capybara, which is a very random non-carnivore thing to have on our team. <laughs> um, and then we also have our red pandas, but those are very new, so uh, they're not out and about yet. Right, right. And we will we will get to that in a moment. Yeah. So, um, But let's start off with talking about your background a little bit. So uh, what made you want to get into keeping? Um, this... I don't know if this is cliche or everyone says this, but when I was little, um, I have a big fascination with specifically endangered animals. Um, I always obviously loved animals, but then the fact that there were endangered animals out there and that people were doing things to save them was a huge draw to me. And I was like, well, I want to do that too. Um, so then I did what I could to get into the keeping field and to try to do my part. And now I'm involved with some things here, um, some things with AZAC, which is the American Association of Zookeepers. So um, it's just been really great. Um, I started here as an zoo camp intern. Okay. So working with little kids for no money, <laughs> not any animals. <laughs> um, and then I worked in education. I left, went to another zoo to get some animal experience, and then I was able to come back here in the long run. So I've been here for over six years now. Very cool. And are you from the area? I am. I'm from North Canton. It's about a half hour south of here. So I got very lucky working at a zoo in my 
homeland. I know most keepers have not been able to do that. So consider myself very grateful. No, yeah, that's amazing. That's really cool. Um, What uh, other institution did you work at? Um, I worked at the Catoctin Wildlife Preserve in Maryland. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So when I was growing up, uh, whenever we would go and visit my one aunt, we would stop by there. And apparently, my mother has told me that when I was very young, there was a deer there that I bonded with when it was young. And uh-huh. it would follow me. And oh as we would go and as you would see it getting older, it would still stay with me and follow me whenever I was there. And I think that's the first time that I ever had a like special animal moment. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you it's, it's not... AZA accredited zoo, but it's a ZAA accredited zoo. Man, they have so much potential there. They have so many animals that are you don't see a lot of other places. So it was a really great experience for me to work there for a little while. Very cool. Very cool. And then you came back here and and Mm -hmm. now you're living in Akron and and doing the Akron Zoo thing. Yep. Awesome. Uh, What's your education in? Um, I have a bachelor's degree in biology. And then I've also gotten a master's degree. It's in conservation zoology. And what program was that through? That was through Project Dragonfly. Because, of course, it was because to be interviewed on the Rasafari podcast, you have to be involved with Project Dragonfly. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. But it honestly seems that way. We're taking over the I, zoo field. I'm, I, I'm really interested in, in taking part in it at some point. There's honestly. actually three keepers here who have graduated from that program. Amazing. So, yeah, like I said, slowly taking over. Yep. Yeah, I'm shocked at how often I hear that name. Yeah. Um, very cool. Very cool. So, all right, let's get to the animals that you take care of. Okay. Um, we just had a pretty amazing experience. Um, I got to feed some grapes to a grizzly. Yay! Well, to two grizzlies, actually. So tell me about your grizzlies. So um, besides the fact that they're perfect, um, Jackson and Cheyenne are brother and sister. They are going to be 10 in February, Ooh. getting so big. Um, they were actually orphaned bears from Wyoming. I figured from the so, names. So um, they have a like a three strike rule out there um, with adult bears coming into uh, areas with a lot of people. So um, through all of that process, the um, those two bears, Jackson and Cheyenne, were taken in by U.S. Fish and Wildlife as very, very small. They would not have made it on their own. Um, and they went to the Cleveland Zoo and they actually lived up there with Cody and Cooper. If anybody ever goes to the Cleveland Zoo. <laughs> They're amazing. Yes. <laughs> and then they came down here after we finished building this exhibit essentially for them. Uh, so I know this project at Grizzly Ridge had a lot of different concepts and it ended up being a big grizzly focused exhibit with all these other North American animals. So um, yeah, very, very pleased that they're here. I can tell. I mean, these are clearly your favorite animal. Like we're not even, we're not even going to pretend otherwise, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about the two individual personalities because that was pretty amazing to see. Um, so like I said, they're brother and sister. So you would think they're very similar. Um, actually very, very different from each other. Uh, they get along great. We've had scuffles here and there, but um, they do get along. But Cheyenne is uh, much more intelligent and inquisitive, and she's always, like, analyzing things that are going on. Um, Jackson's just kind of happy to be a bear. So, like, <laughs> his favorite thing to do on exhibit is kind of just lay on his back and play with his feet. Um, Cheyenne doesn't really do that. She kind of stares at him like, okay. You're doing something weird. But 
Um, like a really great example of the two of their personalities is every year after Halloween, we give them carved pumpkins because we always have them throughout the zoo. Um, and then we'll like take the lid off, put some food in, put them out on the exhibit. And then we did this one year and Cheyenne goes out to her pumpkin and she looks at it. She like ex- examining it from all angles. She takes the lid off with just like her little paw, just pulls the lid right off and starts eating out of it like a bowl. Jackson like comes out and sniffs it. He's like, what the heck? And then just like rears back and smashes the whole entire pumpkin and starts (laughs) eating it like that. So that's the difference between our two grizzly bears. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. So the term grizzly bear, Mm -hmm. I recently learned, is um, more specific than maybe I thought. So um, not all brown bears are grizzlies, but all grizzlies are brown bears, correct? Correct. How does that work? Um, so grizzly bears are essentially a subspecies of brown bear. Um, there's lots of different kinds of brown, be- brown bears. Um, I believe that the Columbus Zoo has Kodiak bears. Um, but the- are, are Kodiak, though, the Alaskan bears also? Is yes. It? Yes, you are correct. Very, very large. <laughs> yes, yes, very large. And um, yes. So our grizzlies, they are the largest animals we have here at the zoo, um, Jackson's gonna break 700 pounds for the first time this year. Such Aww. a big boy. Um, but like I was saying at Columbus, they have their Kodiaks are literally twice the size. So, um, there's lots of different kinds of brown bears, but grizzlies you hear the most about, um, especially because they live in our country. So we hear about them a lot, but yeah, they are not the biggest brown bear that there are even though that's what you always think of, right, think yeah. of brown bear. Yeah. yeah. And also, um, what is, is it, I'm trying to remember, the uh, the shoulder, there's a shoulder hump of muscle? Yes. And that's kind of how you can identify them easily? Yes. So they have like this fatty lump between their shoulder blades. Um, and then on that, it, like their hair gets that grizzled effect. And that's, that's why they're called grizzly bears. Um, but yeah, that's one way to identify them. They have that like big chunky fat in the back of their neck so they have like this little hump um polar bears have that too um obviously you can really distinguish a polar bear from other bears <laughs> um but i am not completely sure why that is but i would say since they are such they're much more carnivores than a lot of the other bear species so i would say that's why they have so much more fat there makes sense and that's that's one of the things that i've been learning that that shocked me um when i came into this podcast i know a lot about some animals and almost you know nothing about others um like i like to say my big qualification for doing this job is that i'm a drummer um exactly so, qualified yeah right <laughs> so um i was shocked to discover how many bears are not obligate carnivores yes and we just fed grizzly bears grapes yeah i have fed red pandas grapes and this makes sense to me but when i saw you pull out grapes i almost laughed right because you know i i i I don't know even though i know that they're not obligate carnivores when you said let's go i thought maybe we'd throw them some you know raw beef or something right um so what is their diet like um so they get on a daily basis they get a large amount of bear chow. So bear chow is just like kind of a little specialized biscuit similar to like dog food. Um, But theirs is very high in protein and fat. And then they also get fruits and veggies every single day. They actually only get protein seasonally. We don't give them protein items um, year round. So they get it. uh, They're getting it now as they're bulking up for winter. And then they also get it when they're coming out of winter as well. Um, But they really, they prefer fruit. 
They just love all their fruit. They like bugs. Um, Cheyenne, though, she's got like a homicidal maniac streak sometimes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have, we're very lucky. We have a very big natural exhibit. And as you can imagine, with a big natural exhibit, there's a lot of other things that live in there that we didn't put in there. Right. Um, and then Cheyenne, she finds them, man. And then they're not in there anymore. And Jackson's like, what are you doing? I don't <laughs> I don't eat those things. I eat my berries. So um, she's, I'm good for her for having all those survival instincts. But it's so funny to see how much she is really excited about meat. And Jackson's like, eh, I'm just a 700 pound bear. I'm going to survive off of produce. So (laughs) (laughs) that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. uh, When I was at Columbus recently, um, one of their bears um, found a butterfly. And like hunted it and pinned it and ate it. And it was it was amazing to watch this huge bear with these huge claws. Yeah. Going after a butterfly. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was pretty entertaining to watch. It's the little things. We have lots of little sparrows that go in and out of the exhibit. Um, I never forget this one time I was watching the bears um, and this lady came up and was just asking me questions about them. And... Uh, Jackson started following this little sparrow around and he was just looking at it, like sniffing at it. And she said, oh, do do they eat all the birds on the exhibit? And I said, well, occasionally they will. It just seems like Jackson's just like playing with this one, checking it out. And then all of a sudden he just takes his paw and just smashes this bird right in front of this lady. And she was horrified. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't control what they do. It's a circle of life. (laughs) I was like, welcome to the zoo. (laughs) That is... That's beyond amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So um, uh, tell me some some stories or some interesting stuff. I mean, these are your favorite animals, so make them mine, too. Um, wow. So wide open. Um, so some funny things about the bears. Uh, they're big-time diggers. This, they have those big, huge claws. Um. Obviously, they use it for eating, but mostly they use them for, like, digging, scraping bark off of trees and stuff. Um, So when we first opened this exhibit, um, if you've ever been to, like, a brand new opening of a zoo exhibit, it's just beautiful and landscaped perfectly. Um, The bears, the first day they went out, they just re-landscaped the entire exhibit. And they're like, (laughs) you don't need these trees or these bushes. And they're like, oh, we also found this PVC that's running water to our heated rock on the exhibit. So um, (laughs) (laughs) they had their own plans for the exhibit. So um, instead of trying to re-landscape anything for them, we just like, okay. Have at it, I guess. We put a bunch of big dead trees in there. Um, we put a big sand pit in there, and they just love digging. Um, Jackson, especially, he'll just go up to a spot, dig this huge hole. You'd think he'd like lay in it, and just be like, "Cool, I'm gonna walk off." I'm like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'll fill that in later. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And bears are obviously protected contact. Yes, um, definitely. But not because you're worried that they would try to maul you or be mean to you, right? Right. So talk to that a little bit. Um, I touched on this earlier. I don't remember if we recorded it or not, but... <laughs> Neither do I. That's why I'm asking now. Um, <laughs> so I was saying, like, uh, dangerous animals, people always think of them as just, like, very aggressive. Like, when you hear stories of... Um, People and bears in the wild, it's always negative, usually. Um, so they portray that to bears all around. But um, the here, the difference we have 
a lot of cats and they have major catitude. Like cats always just do what they want. We have occasional friendly ones. Um, uh, the bears are always very sweet. They have a very calm demeanor. Um, so they just will come right up to you and sit there and stare at you until you're like, okay, here's your food. And they're like, <laughs> okay, thank you. I love you. Um, I guess they're like big old teddy bears. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, like I was saying, no stretch of imagination would I ever go in the same space course, with the course. bears. Um, Cheyenne, she might try to kill you. She's, like I said, has that little bit of a homicidal maniac streak to her. <laughs> I like how you couch it. It's just a little homicidal. It's just, fine. just a little bit. Jackson, I think, would just squish you with right. how big he is. But, um, yeah, I, if they got out, obviously that'd be terrible, but... I think they would just go eat grass. So <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Um, and speaking of them getting out, don't worry, folks, they haven't. But uh, you were talking about you guys have a new lock system in place here. Yes. Um, tell us about that. That sounds cool. So we are very, very, very safety conscious. Obviously, zoos across the country are very safety conscious. But we always like to like, here's the bar. And then we go way up here. Um, so we have this new lock system. It's called a two key two lock system. It's kind of becoming more prevalent in zoos, but basically what it is, instead of just having like a dangerous animal area lock, um, it's that you have the keys to do every lock in that area. Um, that in that case would be, you have the ability to just walk into an animal space. Um, obviously we don't, do that but um in this case you have to have somebody else there to get into an animal space so um, for example in the grizzly building we have brown locks and red locks on every door i can't go in a holding to clean it without a second person coming in and undoing a red lock for me um so it literally makes it impossible to walk in an animal area unless both of you are being very silly at the exact same time <laughs> very cool and is that for all animals or just like more dangerous ones it's all it's for all the dangerous animals okay. so like the big cats the bears um i think that's it we okay. used to do it with our komodo dragons but komodo dragons are a very gray area as far as their danger level so right right makes yeah. sense makes sense <laughs> so um okay cool i just wanted to check because um i needed to know how many locks to pick to to steal a red panda before i leave so, um just the one Okay. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Perfect. This information is for all to have. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to get from outside of the Grizzly Building onto the exhibit, it is double digits the amount of locks you have to go through. Wow, that's it's, very smart. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very <laughs> cool. Um, so the whole time that we've been talking, we're sitting outside behind your, your building, mm -hmm. and I just keep seeing wolves walking by. Yes! And it's making me very happy and slightly distracted, but mostly very happy. Um, so go ahead and tell me about the wolves that you take care of. Um, so we have two red wolves here, and their names are Waya and Juno, and I love them dearly, but they're also kind of like a tease for me because okay. red wolves have such a specific uh, species survival plan that we actually hardly interact with them at all. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so red wolves are so endangered that there's less than 20 of them left in the wild. Right, right. So any um, pups that we would have here potentially would go out to the wild. So any animals that get released to the wild, we don't want them to associate humans with like food and fun playing and stuff like that. So um, we actually don't do any training with them. Any enrichment that we do is all very natural. Like we give them uh, natural scents, different 
like brows and stuff like that. So, um, but they're, they're very, very sweet. We have a new red wolf, Juno. She just came here in the spring and she is very, very small. So the average size of a red wolf is 60, 70 pounds. Um, she's like 45 pounds. Oh, wow. She's like our little pixie wolf. Um, and she is just a big old goober. So um, when we open the doors in the evening for them to come inside and get their food, she just kind of stands up the hill and rips branches off the trees and stares at me. I'm just like, "What are you, girl, what are you doing? Like, why are you eating sticks when you could be going inside and eating your food? So Amazing. Yeah. And so is this part of the reintroduction plan that is currently on hold in North Carolina? Is that what the hope would be for these pups? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We've so, talked about that on the pod a good bit already, but I, I, I just, I love when zoos are involved with that. I think it's yes. amazing. We, uh, we actually held um, one of the red wolf tag, canid tag. Ugh, so many acronyms I know. in the zoo world. In, we had a red wolf meeting here. Okay, nice. <laughs> so, yeah, we are very involved with them. Um, we got to go down to North Carolina Zoo to get Juno. Um, we, it was like a halfway point for us. And they have a ton of red wolves there. And mm-hmm. It was so interesting to see how they manage everything down there. Uh, we just have our two, so it's pretty simple for us. But when you have so many wolves that you have to be hands-off with, you have to manage it differently than us. So. Right. No, makes sense. Yeah. Very cool. And then you also have coyotes here. Yeah. Now, for people who don't know, what's the difference between coyotes and wolves? Um, so coyotes are much smaller. Uh, well, not much smaller than Juno. Fair, fair. But they weigh <laughs> about 30 pounds. Um, they look bigger, but they're all fluff and legs. They're, there's not much to them. Um, and... Coyotes are native to this area. They're actually one of the most adaptable species ever. Wow. They can pretty much live anywhere. So that's why we see them in like the Walmart parking lot. Um, But red wolves are only native to North Carolina right now. Um, uh, But our red wolves, or I'm sorry, our coyotes, they're, they're very finicky. They're very skittish of us. When we go into the exhibit with them to service and they're always just like, please stay as far away from me as you can. I don't want you to kill me today. I'm like, well, we've been coming in here for seven years every day with you. We've never killed you. So I think today's safe too. So very, very skittish. I don't know why. Um, but we get we get some flack about the coyotes because people always think of coyotes as they're going to steal my dog. They're going to ruin my stuff. Um, but, you know, if you really think about it, same thing that happened with the wolves. We are encroaching on yep. their land and they're just trying to make it through so um yeah these things do happen but it's just a natural part of life that's why we don't have wolves anymore it's because they're doing the same thing and people just push them off so Mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's a it's a real problem yeah um and human animal conflict is uh is not a good thing but it's our fault like you said, we're, we're encroaching. And that's not to say right. that we can't encroach. Like, we need to live. I, I do believe that. In harmony. But, yes, in harmony. And I think, <laughs> uh, you know, you laugh, but I mean, you're, you're right. Yeah. Um, and I think that the best conservation organizations are the ones who not only help animals, but help figure out ways to mitigate the human-animal conflict. Exactly. Which I think is yeah. Yeah, hugely important. And people have come up with the most creative things. Um, like, I know that there was an elephant conservation program where they just put like a bunch of bees around their land and then the elephants were like well i don't want to get stuck by bees so i'm not going to come over here and trample through your 
food. So I don't, I don't know how people come up with this stuff, but we I have know, right? brilliant humans doing animal conservation. Very true. Yeah. And not only did they set up those bee fences, but then the local people got to uh, farm them and get the honey for their families. And some even sold the honey and were able to then make money so they didn't have to poach and stuff yes. like that. It's just, just fascinating. I know. The work, it's crazy. Yeah, just absolutely fascinating. Um, very cool. So um, – Let's talk about the zoo's expansion a little bit. Yes. Uh, later this summer, we, we've teased it a little bit, but y'all are opening um, Asia Wilds. Wild Asia. Wild Asia. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, <we> yes <laughs> Wild Asia. Um, tell me uh, about Wild Asia. Uh, so we're really excited about Wild Asia. Um, we are actually bringing back species that we've had before um we've had tigers here and panda red pandas not giant pandas the real panda exactly <laughs> um we've had we've always had those um we're also bringing back gibbons um oh, nice we had gibbons here decades ago um so it's gonna be really exciting to bring them back um we're also really excited about our tiger exhibit because it's going to be not just one but two tiger exhibits oh okay so we've always had just the one um it was built 20 years ago the original one so obviously we needed an upgrade um so now we're gonna have not just one exhibit that's twice the size but two really nice tiger exhibits um and then we also are going to have three red pandas instead of just the one so we have three sisters who are still very young so yeah, they're what one year old, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're very, very sweet, though. Okay, so so tell me about your pandas. <laughs> Come on. So their names are Lulu, Coco, and Penny, which is the best <laughs> names for red panda girls. Um, and they actually they're the three sisters, but they vary a lot in personality. So we have Lulu, who is overly friendly. Like we're trying to get Lulu to chill right, a little right, bit. Right. Like, girl, calm down. <laughs> You will get food, I promise. Um, and then we also have uh, Penny on the other end of the spectrum who's like, please don't look at me. Give me one grape and a go. I'm like, it's okay. She's fine. But um, the keepers of the last zoo, they said they'll they'll all come out of their shell. But Penny um, is, you know, a little bit more shy. So we're just giving her her space and doing baby steps with her. But. Um, then we also have Coco. She's right in the middle. Not as aggressive as Lulu, but like, oh, okay. You have grapes. Also, let's hang out. Nice. So, okay. Very cool. Yeah. And we're really excited. Um, we'll hopefully be able to do a lot more with our pandas and our guests um, that we weren't really able to do with our last exhibit. So it's going to be a whole new world in a lot of different ways. Very cool. And um, are they uh, Styani or Fulgens? They're Fulgens. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Makes sense. So um, I'm curious, and, you know, I, I don't know how much this goes into what you've done, but um, what's it like for a zoo to just decide we're going to have a new area? And I assume that has to be years of planning and fundraising and what all goes into the decision to, hey, we're going to have an Asian space now. Yeah. So I know that this zoo tries to do plans seven years out. Wow. And I don't know what the average is for other zoos, but we are big time planners. So <laughs> we are always focusing on the next thing. Um, so when we were building a new Africa area, we actually didn't really have an Africa area before. We just had our African lions and they were at the bottom of Tiger Valley. So we were like, well, we want to build um, new 
bigger areas for our big cats because um, we always try to reach out to the guests and see, you know, what what do they want to see? What do they think needs improved upon? And like I was saying, our lion tiger exhibits, they were a little bit on the small side. So we're like, okay, well, let's definitely make a big new lion area. And then we're like, okay, we'll make a whole new Africa area. Um, so then we were able to bring in um, animals that we hadn't had before. And that in itself is tricky because we brought in our gazelle. No one here has ever worked with gazelle. So we had to <laughs> send keepers to other zoos to learn from them. So um, it's been a long process. Like we had to start from scratch in both of these areas. Um, so like um, Africa used to just be woods. So there wasn't even anything there. And then wild Asia, we had to completely demolish a whole big section of the zoo and build on top of it. So um and then it was a lot of like animal shuffle. So we had to send animals to other zoos. And then we have two lions who were here before now live up there. So we had to focus on a lot of crate training to eventually move them to the other part of the zoo because their old building was getting demolished. So lots of timing and stuff goes into creating a new area of the zoo. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Um, very cool. And how did the transition for the lions go? Great. Okay. Yeah, they... Um, so we have Tamar and Mandisa, who we love dearly, especially Tamar. He's been here for 14 years. He's stunning. When I was I visiting know. earlier, he was like laying at the glass yeah. and we hung out a little he bit. He is the most handsome lion. Like I could so be biased, good. but. You are, but still. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. So um, we actually, that was a big fear when we were building Africa. We're like, are we going to have to send out Tamar and Mandisa? I mean, they've always just been here. Right. So, um. We got to keep them here with us, so we did a lot of crate training with them. And we, you know, I don't know if people know this about keepers, but, man, they, like, put blood, sweat, and tears into making things just not stressful for the animals. So when we moved to Martin Mandisa from building to building, it got to the point where we got asked them to go in a crate. We shut the door, we drove them up here, and we opened the door. Like, it, it sounds super simple. It was, but, man, it took a lot of planning and training to go into that. But once they got up to the new area, they were so happy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a gorgeous area. Yeah. Are they um, active participants uh, for breeding in the SSP? Um, Tamar and Mandisa are not. Um, Mandisa has been implanted for quite a while now. So I'm not even sure if she would be able to at this point. Um, Cause they are both getting older. Right. But right. There are, there's this terrible problem in the country of just having so many lions, such a terrible problem. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually, the SSP doesn't want most zoos to be breeding lions because where are we going to put all these right. lions? So um, it's a good problem to have, but means we don't get any little squishy lion cubs. <laughs> um, so we do have another pride of younger lions, uh, maybe down the road if we lose Tamar and Mandisa to old age, and then we'd have space for all these babies to run around we do have the other pride but uh, they're not breeding right now either actually just to get them to live civilly has been a process in itself so <laughs> fair yeah yeah okay very cool um i have a question that i like to ask whenever i'm in ohio okay and i haven't gotten an actual answer yet. oh boy pressure um, colleen's answer was the best so far colleen oh. who i know you love and yes who, i do introduced us um why does ohio have all the best zoos because ohio's the heart of it all (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, that might actually top hers, who said, because it's Ohio. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm, I'm being serious for a second, though. Like, yeah. what is it that makes Ohio, you know, which is a, a great little state, but mm-hmm. one state, the place where you've got Akron, which is amazing, where you've got Columbus, where you've got Cincinnati, you've got Toledo, you've got Cleveland. That's insane. Yeah, we have the wilds too. It's a little well, yeah. known secret I, there. I always count the wilds when I say Columbus. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, no, the wilds is I mean, you're right. That is six institutions. Yeah. That are killer. I know. They're, they're amazing. And I, is there, why? Is it just happenstance? Is it really I, because it's the heart of it all? <laughs> obviously. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know what? Sometimes I think that Ohio is not the ideal state to have a zoo because we have such weird weather. But actually, in a way, if you think about it, that's probably a great reason to have a zoo because we can have such diverse um, taxa here. So we can have lots of cold weather animals. And then we can also have lots of hot weather animals because we have like a 130 degree temperature gradient here in ohio um so that's what the real reason is i don't know but it was a lot of and then just even surrounding ohio there's so many more Mm. great facilities so yeah no i i am i am constantly fascinated by this fact and i feel like there has to be like an actual answer but i think it it might just be coincidence yeah you know I'll send out a survey to all the directors okay, and be like, what'd you do here? Yeah, get on that. Get okay. on that. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. They'll definitely respond directly to me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> They're not busy at all. No. <laughs> um, very cool. Okay. So uh, along with working here, you are heavily involved in AZAC. Yes. So talk to me about, uh, I know that we've talked a little bit about AZAC before, but not a ton. So tell me what AZAC is okay. and then what your involvement is. Um, so AZAC is the American Association of Zookeepers. And it is what started as a small group of keepers has kind of just developed into this very large group of professionals um, who are looking into doing more conservation work, more professional development, learning about more husbandry for their animals. Um so we actually started our chapter here at Akron. Um, there was one beforehand, but we restarted it in 2014. And then I started off as just an officer. Um, and then I just kept wanting to do more. Like, how can I get more involved with this organization? Because there's so much potential with all these keepers in one big network. Like, we could take over the world. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, So I ended up getting involved on a national committee and then from there, I was nominated to be on the board of directors. So um, I started on the board of directors last fall, and it's been very enlightening. Like, there's so much that the organization does that you don't really know about, which is something we definitely are working on um, to make more keepers aware of what all AZAC does. Well, good news. I have a large keeper audience. Wonderful. So uh, <laughs> let's inform them. What, what do you guys do? Um, so we have... I can't remember the exact number of committees and programs, but we have multiple conservation programs. So you've probably heard of Bowling for Rhinos. Of course, and have participated. Yes. So Bowling for Rhinos is the flagship OG conservation organization for AZAC. Um, So they've already raised literally millions of dollars for rhino conservation. Um, So from there, they've sparked other programs such as Trees for You and Me, which is very involved with um, PBI, Polar Bears International. Um, and then we also have a lots of committees who do every aspect of 
zookeeping that you can really think of. So like we have um, safety, animal welfare. Uh, we just have like a resources committee. Uh, we have a conservation committee. Um, and then through all of these things, all of these committees are constantly making things to help keepers move forward and to push the field forward. Um, so we're constantly pushing out resources and trying to band keepers together to see like, what more can we do for everybody? Very cool. And so there's the national and then also each zoo can have its own chapter. Is that correct? Yes. So the national association is, um, you know, all encompassing. We have organizations from around the world who are part of AZAC national. And then we have a hundred. It's a little over a hundred chapters, like local chapters. And it doesn't have to be at a zoo. Um, We have a lot of just regional chapters and we have a couple of chapters who are not associated with a facility at all. They're just like a collective group of people from this area. Okay. Um, So it's really cool to see people just like come out of the woodwork to participate in animal conservation. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, So I know that one of our most successful chapters in regards to BFR is like eight people in the chapter and they raise like tens of thousands of dollars every (laughs) year for rhinos. I'm like, well, I don't know what we're doing up here. (laughs) This big chapter, we didn't do that. So yeah, people are amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very cool. Yeah. This community is, uh, it's, it's something special. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, all right. So I am going to open the floor to you. Okay. Um, are there any conservation organizations you'd like to talk about or any, I mean, any, anything that a message that you'd like to give a shout out to your grizzlies, literally anything. The floor is open <laughs> to you. You know, I get very involved in bear stuff. People always just say I'm the bear keeper here, which is funny because we only have the two bears. <laughs> but um, we, for the grizzlies, they're actually not to the point of needing a conservation organization. So don't have to worry about that for the grizzlies. Um, The red wolves, obviously we get very involved with them, but I've learned about a lot of conservation organizations through AZAC. Um, And one of my favorite ones actually is, was started by a keeper um, from the San Diego zoo. Uh, It's a global conservation force. Okay. And they actually train rangers in anti-poaching efforts and it's really cool because not only is it trained by or started by a fellow keeper, one of us, um, they work around the world. Like they have hit up so many different species that, you know, people, when you think of anti-poaching, you just think of rhinos and you think of elephants. Right. But, you know, it goes way beyond that. It goes to like snow leopards. It goes to pangolins. That's really big. And they're just trying to encompass all of that so um, we've done a couple of our fundraisers for azac for that organization and they're really great very so, cool definitely have to check them out yeah and now it is time for the Rasafari poop story okay hit me well i used to be one of our primary penguin keepers for like five years so i don't know if you've ever met a penguin yes but their full-time job is to poop yeah so <laughs> I was cleaning in their burrow room one time and it's like two rows of shelves and with kennels on each row. And that day I was supposed to go to my 10 year high school reunion <laughs> after work. Oh, so no. I was like, okay, I'm going to do my best. I like made my hair look all nice. It was, I was getting through the whole day <laughs> looking nice to go to this high school reunion. 
at the very end of the day, I was just checking on everybody and I was bending down to look in the bottom row and one of the upper row penguins just crapped right in my face. And it like went right in my hair, went all the way down my hair, into my mouth. And I was just like, why? It's <laughs> like right into the bathroom and try to like clean my hair as much as possible. It's like, no, I had like fish crust. I was like, there's no way I'm going to a high school reunion with fish poop crust in my hair. So, yeah. Yes. Lots of poop stories are from the penguins because, yeah. Penguins poop. I know. It's so much. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Well, okay. Now it's time to go meet the grizzly bears. Uh, before I do that, I just wanted to let you guys know, standard boilerplate, you know, explanation. When I'm with the animals, I have my handheld recorder, which doesn't sound as good. And there's lots of background noise and stuff because we're in an active part of the zoo. But it sounds awesome. It was awesome. These bears are incredible. Also, Slight disclaimer here. Uh, you are going to hear some repeated information that got said in the interview as well. I normally cut these things down a little bit to avoid that, but seriously, every time there was repeated information, you could hear the bears smacking their lips together, growling, or, or eating their grapes. And I just thought it was too adorable to cut. So enjoy. <laughs> So this is Cheyenne. Hi, Cheyenne. Um, both of the bears are very, very sweet. Um, when we people think of large, dangerous animals, they always just think of, you know, just like aggressive, especially with grizzlies. They're just like, I'm just like killing elk and snatching salmon out of the stream. But I mean, these two bears are so sweet and they're so well behaved um we do a lot of training with them and they're very patient about it you see chance just sitting here staring at me okay can you open good girl oh, oh my goodness and then this is jackson hey jackson so these are brother and sister bears okay um they get along really well um, Shan definitely wears the pants in this situation uh -huh. here though um jackson <laughs> it's the biggest animal that we have here at the zoo. Also one of the biggest scaredy cats we have here at the zoo. <laughs> so if you want to give them a couple grapes, you can. That would be amazing. They'll take it from you right through the fence. What is what is more scary than, than a, feeding a bear a grape, right? <laughs> what a sweetheart. It's like it, when you get up close to them, you realize that they're not that terrifying, aggressive, and mean. No, I mean, obviously, obviously, I'm not going to go in there by no, any right. stretch of the imagination. Um, I think they their playing would be more dangerous than their attacking. So these guys are very, very people-oriented just because um, we try to build such a good relationship with them. Um, obviously, to do any sort of medical work with a bear you're not just going to go in there and be like okay i'm going to pick your paw up now so we do a lot of training we do at least once a day um sometimes in the summer we'll do twice a day um shan gets a little bit huffy if we don't immediately feed her grapes all the time i'm just like girl calm down <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> look at 
the mouth. Pat. Oh. You silly kid, <laughs> Pat. Good girl. Wow. Ooh, claws. So this you is notice, amazing. Cheyenne is sitting with her whole body right to us, and Jackson's over to the side like, um, if you want to give me a grape, that's fine, but if not, I'll just sit here. He's got his ears back and everything. <laughs> He's so sweet. He's like, it's okay. Cheyenne's not going to get you. Um, we just built Africa. It's like right behind this exhibit. It's our big lion exhibit. Um, so when they were building it, this was all like a very wooded area. So they had to knock down a lot of trees. Um, so we did a lot of behavior monitoring to see how the animals up oh. here would react to. Oh, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> Cheyenne insisted that she gets that great, not Jackson. Um, we monitored how they would react to all the construction noise. Right. Um, so actually everybody was really fine until they started dropping trees and Jackson just booked it back inside. He's like, Aww. I can't, it's too scary out here. Shan's like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> She's like, you know you're a grizzly, right? Right. <laughs> Look at that nose. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, this is magical. I know. I love them. Hi. Did you guys enjoy your grapes? Yeah, I'm out now. Yeah, she's like, there are no more grapes. more grapes. I'm not dumb. Hi, big boy. <laughs> Jackson's like, hey, hey, can I? We don't have any Hi. more. See, this is empty. Aw. What a good boy. Okay. You're so handsome. Sorry. He's a big, handsome boy. <laughs> Thanks for that, all, bud. All knows. You don't really understand how cameras work. Here's a nostril you. picture. Well, sometimes he'll, like, lick the phone. Too. Nice. Yeah. So there's that as well. Oh yeah, this phone has this case has had a lot of animal uh, attention. We'll just put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. Well, we'll let them go back to their napping. Yep. Go sleep. We can go chat somewhere. Well, you could hear it in my voice, but I got really excited when I met those bears. There's just something so amazing about a huge, deadly animal that could clearly destroy you. Just being adorable and trained so well and gently taking grapes from your hands, that is, uh, it's pretty hard to explain, but it's pretty magical. Those two bears have a very big place in my heart right now, that is for sure. I'm incredibly grateful to Kristen for making that happen, so thank you, Kristen. Uh, and to everyone listening, don't forget that you can go to akronzoo.org to find out more about the zoo, or follow them on Instagram, at akronzoo. Okay, so for this week, I'm going to give you a moment of zen. Here is more noise of the bears just eating grapes, followed by the credits. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.